0: going you guys can't see it but because that show starting soon banner is up there but that whole time that that's going i'm sitting here i'm getting mm, mm, let's go let's Mm. talk let's get real excited and sit here and talk what's up people welcome back to another episode of kingpilled i am matt and that's cooper and he's all green hey he's been feeling green lately Feeling kind of blue. Oh, there you go, kind of blue. Oh, that's natural color. It's a reference to uh, Miles Davis. Oh yeah, we were just talking about jazz. I didn't know you had opinions about jazz. I guess I should. I do. I love jazz. I love jazz. I. uh,
1: I think scat vocals are really stupid, though. (laughs) Is there any particular reason for that? They just sound dumb. Yeah. And when you call them scat vocals, I think of like scatological.
0: <laughs> you don't want to think so. about poop while you're singing or listening yeah. to music. Yeah, and just
1: like dooby <laughs> doo, but doo bop. <It's> so dumb.
0: <laughs> I'm sure there's probably some kind of a of a a racial analysis we could do here with scat vocals and where they come from and and <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> just write lyrics. Right,
1: yeah. Yeah, you people
0: are good at coming up with lyrics, right? <laughs> right, yeah. It'd be funny like if like scat vocals like where it came from is there was just like like you had this group of guys and one of them was just kind of retarded and so they were like, Hey, you be the <laughs> singer and he's just like, I'm you bat that you bat that but and people are like, Hey, I kinda dig this and then people started mimicking it and like that thus scat vocals were born.
1: Yeah, like he was he's like a he's like a savant, total retard, but he's like musically gifted but he also has no arms so he can't play any instruments <laughs> yeah. so, like, i guess they're singing
0: <laughs> he has no legs either cuz like he can't even like play drums with his feet or <laughs> yeah something. it's just kind of a like a pillow <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have like a special little chair for him they just sit him up on there and prop him up with some pillows on either side of him and pull the mic down he <laughs> <and beat
1: him. laughs>
0: just makes noises <laughs> So this is what you guys are getting a look at uh, what Cooper and I do all day. We just sit and talk on the phone and come up with, with funny scenarios. Important stuff. Laugh. Uh-huh. Or are businessmen. We're businessmen. We're businessmen. <laughs> uh, you are a little quiet on my end. I don't know if that's uh, if that's just a me thing. But um, let Normally, us know if we're if not. Normally, if I listen if we're...
1: back, every time I listen back to any part of the streams, I always sound a little bit louder than you. So I'm just going to leave it okay. for now.
0: Okay, yeah let us know if there's a, if there's a problem, we've had, I've seen a few comments recently from people saying that the audio is not balanced properly or something like that. So we don't want to, if we're doing, if you're like producing an audio product, we want to make sure that it isn't like really grading to listen to, but you know, it'd be cool all of our time on it. You know, it'd be a novel idea. If restream,
1: you know, the platform that you're using for streaming, you know, separate locations had like an interface that allowed you to balance volume, Right. And all
0: of that they, they, there's there's a little bar here like a little slider bar on each of us that i can move but they're like both at a hundred they're both at a hundred but we're we, we're different so like i i, I can just kind of gas and start sliding it around but um as long as it's not too bad then we'll we'll just leave it be um so uh if this is your guys's first time watching welcome thank you um we uh we appreciate you guys We've got uh, the 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 audience is starting to grow. I'm starting to see the numbers tick up a little bit. Uh, it took some time once we kind of got back in the swing of things after KingPilled sort of went on a hiatus, but uh, we're we're being consistent with the content, and I think it's being reflected in. Uh, we're starting to see some some better numbers. So, um, if you are not listening to this as a podcast. It is also available as an audio podcast on Spotify, Apple podcasts, whatever for the life of me, I can't fix the banner image on Apple podcasts. It, the thumbnail, it just refuses to update. And I've tried every single solution I can think of, and it's just not happening. So if you're on Apple podcasts and you see the old logo, it doesn't match. The branding's not the same. It's still us. Um, you can, you can uh, listen to the, the podcast there. Um, we're also streaming on Twitter and Facebook as well. If for whatever reason you prefer those, those platforms, um, do us a favor, like, share, subscribe, do all that kind of stuff. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting episode because there's part of this that may actually be legitimately actionable. And, um, if you guys like the idea, if you think that it is a, um, I don't know if you think it's viable as well, then you can share that we're going to end up clipping it up to, uh, um, in, into a more bite-sized chunk so that it, it could be potentially more, more, more spreadable. And who knows, there may be people who are already ahead of us on this, but last night in the, uh, the King Pilled voice chat, we were discussing the, the contents of the last episode, the whole, uh, uh, Claudine Gay, uh, resigning from, from Harvard. Um, our, our favorite Neanderthal Josiah actually had a funny joke for once. He said, uh, um, we were trying to figure out if Claudine Gay was actually gay. And, uh, and he said, uh, just, just stream of consciousness. He just said, no, nah, just in name. He said in name only. And, uh, oh, he got a good chuckle out of me for that one. I I'm, I'm a sucker for the dad jokes. Um, but yeah, so we were, we're in the, the King pill voice chat. We're talking about, about, uh, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, is it a win, how is it a win? What is a win? What, 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 what's the game we're even playing? What are we trying to accomplish? And, uh we were we were fairly split on the on the subject um it got a little uh we got a little feisty in there a few times and but in the course of kind of hashing that out, uh, there was a, there was an interesting idea that kind of came to the surface as a as a potential actual uh way that even on kind of the grassroots level we could get involved in some sort of uh, i don't know if I want to say activism, but like doing something pragmatic that actually uh, moves our interests forward, promotes our interests and harms the regime in the process. Uh, so we want to kind of, uh, we want to go into that a little bit here today and see if you guys, what you guys think. And, and at least if anything, hopefully it gets people, th- uh, like thinking about this, the way that, uh, that we think is the right way to think about it, uh, how to go about, uh, strategically engaging with the different social institutions, um, and, uh, maximizing our own interests out of that. But before we get into that real quick here, uh, I wanted to give a shout out to um, a guy I very much enjoy watching. And I was very happy to see him all over my Twitter timeline yesterday. Uh, his name is Brother Nathaniel. And if you haven't encountered him, you're missing out. He's He might be a little bit difficult to find. You might have to do a little bit of digging uh, because he talks about the sorts of things that get you like, uh, uh, down regulated in the algorithm. Um, but uh Nathaniel is spelled it's, it's a unique spelling so it'll help you find it it's and it's like Nathan A-E-L Nathan A-L he is a um an orthodox monk who is has been kind of involved in like street activism street preaching and stuff for a long time and he does a lot of YouTube shorts that's where I primarily see him I don't even I've, been, I've never been able to actually find his channel but I see shorts of his that have been put out and uh he is a former Jew. He was raised a Jew born a Jew, raised a Jew and uh, he he apostatized from the tribe and uh, he is not shy about talking about them uh, and he's got a very unique cadence very uh he, he gives big like I don't want to say that he is a fool for Christ, but he kind of reminds me of what I imagine a fool for Christ would have been like if you would have encountered them. Um, in person, cause there's, there's a really interesting history within, uh, orthodoxy of this, this concept of the fool for Christ. I actually had never really heard about it. And Cooper was the one who first introduced me to the concept. Um, there's been quite a few, there was actually, what was it you were telling me before, uh, Cooper about, there was like, like legal carve outs within the Russian empire for. Uh, the, the fools for Christ, like they, they, they weren't held legally liable for things they did or something like that.
1: I remember reading something like that. I don't remember the specifics, but if you were, you know, deemed to be one of these type of figures, then like, yeah, you, the, you weren't legally held responsible for anything.
0: Yeah. Which is really interesting. Cause like the, I guess the, the, to the, to the, the, the Western rational mind that it needs to be able to put these things in proper categories um, it's a little mind-bending but uh, essentially these are these are guys who were they're essentially they're v- extremely exceptionally holy men like holy ascetic men but they struggled with with pride so much so that they they dedicated their lives to living out their humiliation like by like purposely publicly humiliating themselves to prevent them from being prideful about about themselves um so it's kind of a it, it, it's a sort of a category breaking thing, which is pretty powerful, um, symbolically, like from a Pajovian world, having someone that really breaks that that category, you kind of are like, are they? Are they like, really, like, brilliant, ascetic holy men? Or are they completely, like, degenerate wild maniacs? It's, uh, you know, you know, they do things like stealing food from people and giving it to other people, or, um, you know, like running naked through the streets. And they do some really crazy stuff. Um, but some of these people have been, they were fools for Christ, and they they were saints. Um, so that's kind of the vibe that I get from Brother Nathaniel. I wouldn't go so far as to say, obviously, I don't know if he's a saint or whatever, but um, um, I think he's great. I really enjoy him. So he went on Alex Jones. And I guess the, the point of the conversation, I've, I've heard about half of it. Because uh, just in clips that I've seen, it was about a 50-minute conversation, and apparently, Brother Nathaniel was basically able to—he kind of had free reign, and he made Alex Jones real uncomfortable. He Alex Jones did not like treading into the territory that it was—it was being uh, that they were going into, uh, which is kind of a—I guess—is maybe a little indicative as to where where the strings are that are attached to Alex Jones. Bummer. That's sad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, but he, uh, apparently I, I heard that after they, uh, after this was released, that Alex Jones actually went and took it down. He like took it off his site, took it, took it down everywhere. Um, but it was still on rumble and people had downloaded it and saved it. So it's, you know, there's no putting it away now. And so yesterday I was watching all this going by, going by. And I was like, oh, this, is, this is fantastic. I love seeing people getting introduced to brother Nathaniel. I like the, I like his energy. Um, just, 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 I just enjoy this whole thing, but I'm fully aware of what's going to happen. Like, I know this is, this is most likely going to be some kind of a pretext for, uh, regime escalation against Orthodox Christians or about against Christianity in general. It's obviously going to be used that way. I don't care. Like, this is, this is the way that things are going to go. This is this, the cycle of history and trying to avoid it doesn't prevent it from happening. The, the, the pluses outweigh the minuses here. So I was just waiting for somebody to start complaining about it. I did not expect it to be the first person that it actually turned out to be the very first person who I saw complaining about it on the timeline was none other than Mr. Adam Green. Like the guy who has built his entire life around campaigning against the tribe. He, he, he uh, fashions himself their greatest opponent and greatest critic but ironically, he actually winds up being one of their greatest spokespersons. Yeah,
1: he's like, like Twitter's best
0: rabbi. <laughs> yeah, right, right. He knows he knows vastly more about the Talmud than like probably ninety nine percent of actual Jews. I mean, the most the majority of Jews don't have any idea about the Talmud, but even even the ones who do, he would be in he would be a one percenter among them as, in terms of his dedication to studying it and parsing it. Um. So he tweets it out. He says, is it not obvious to everyone who this Christian rhetoric is ultimately benefiting? And I thought that's very ironic. I did not expect like chief anti-Semite himself to be the one complaining about a, a Christian monk talking about the people he doesn't like. So I just, I screenshotted it and said, I gotta say, I expected that Ben Shapiro would be the first person I saw complaining about this. I, I I genuinely was expecting to wake up and see Ben Shapiro clutching his pearls and screeching about all this but no nope it's Adam Green it's the uh it's the Viking pagan he's the guy who is uh is very upset that the Jews are being provoked uh so okay speaking of the Jews being provoked uh oh got a super chat here Thank you tatiana five dollars us she says just because god bless thank you tatiana she is a uh, um she's a very very loyal listener i appreciate the uh she tags me and posts on facebook she's she's basically one of the few reasons that i still go on to facebook because i get tagged and stuff from her um talking to to buck and adam patrick and i and uh, so i appreciate you tatiana um, how uh, <clears throat> how edgy do we want to go
1: Cause like I don't know that much about Brother Nathaniel. Mm-hmm. I've kind of seen him around. He's kind of got a shtick, which I like. Um, but then I see, uh, you know, like on the Alex thing, I saw a clip of him. Oh, what do you say? How do how do I say this without the, the school marms getting mad? <laughs> um. Speaking, well of. A particular leader in you know the first oh, half of the twentieth century, yeah,
0: Central European, yeah, mustaches. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And that's where you kind of lose me. Given I don't know, I don't know a lot about this topic. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fine asking questions, uh-huh. and I'm fine disputing numbers. This doesn't bother me. I don't know if that guy with the Central European mustache. I don't know that he was a good dude. Uh-huh. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's not like the. Maybe he's not like, you know, maybe he's not Hitler, but. I don't know. I don't know that he was a good dude. So whenever I hear people say that, I'm like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Does anybody anybody have an opinion on that? Anybody like
0: diehard uh,
1: mustache man fans in our chat? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I'm very like I'm willing to be persuaded. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. My given the the years of of indoctrination and and everything that I've just grown right, up. Right. That's into, how I feel. I've grown like, up as an American. My default posture is I don't know if I would necessarily like go all to, like to the point of outright defense of him, but it's it's not because I like. Like I don't have a problem if you make the case to me then I'm very very willing to believe it. I've been I'm deceived. Open. Yeah. Like I mean I've I would probably be lumped in with flat earthers at this point for all intents yeah, and yeah. purposes. So yeah. you, you can you can bring a lot to me. I I'm I'm willing to hear a lot. But was that the uh kind of the extent of what you were you were thinking? Yeah, about? I just like
1: I don't I don't know like that's granted because talking in a positive way about that particular figure produces such uh systemic like s- societal immune response mhm typically when i see that happen it makes me oh there might be something to this right cuz why is everybody freaking out uh huh so i'm open to it but i don't know maybe it's just uh maybe it's just my uh I don't know. Years of indoctrination and programming
0: flaring up. Yeah, I guess I would say, um, the, the, yeah, Ryan Isaac says you're, you're a, a, a gay heretic, G A E heretic. If, if you reduced mustache man's evilness, is that um,
1: global American empire?
0: Yeah. Okay. Right. It's right. Right. Yeah. Like I, I, um, I've become, I've been moved very much in the direction of seeing, um, at the very least lumping him in with, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, British prime minister. Churchill. Um, Churchill. Yeah. Churchill and FDR. Like my inclination is to think Churchill and FDR are, are like, I, I see them as legitimate villains, like legitimately. Yeah. Yeah. Like evil men. Um, and I, so my default posture is kind of to just sort of see, you know, uh, central European mustache man is in the same, the same category, but just like he had his, his perspective, they each have their own perspective and he was the outside perspective. And, and so I don't see him as like, as like an icon, uh, you know, it's just, he he was another one of them. He just had his own, his own beef. And a lot of his beef I, I sympathize with. Um, I think I don't think he he um, if you separate his beef from his uh, alleged actions, then, you know, once you start questioning things, then it, it kind of really reduces the threshold of even what the, the actual extent of those actions could have been. Yeah. Um, so and it, it, right, it's exactly, war. exactly. Like it's a wartime. Like, so you're saying that in a wartime, a whole bunch of people died. OK, like, yeah, there's a massive war going on. You
1: question a certain number and you kind of do some math. And that number yeah. becomes a lot smaller. And then it makes you wonder, like, OK, so what was the extent of these atrocities if this is fake? You know? What yeah, about, yeah. I don't know. So I'm open. I'm open. i I'm, like, there's yeah, no I question
0: think... that, that, that many, many millions of people died during the 1940s from a whole bunch of different causes. And there was a lot of very and... evil people that were doing a lot of very evil things.
1: Including Winston Churchill and
0: FDR. Including Winston Churchill and, and FDR. Truman. Right, right.
1: Like I, yeah, you know, Stalin, of course, can't can't forget about him. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know uh, to what extent you know what I've grown up being taught is just you know Soviet propaganda or whatever.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, we're. I, I've, I'm probably on a lot of it saying that, yeah, that, that the reason why the, the, why you know, communism fell, so to speak, was just because the Soviet Union was no longer necessary. It just outlived its usability. And because the, uh, the, 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 the virus, the egregore, you know, whatever you want to say had ported itself into the Atlantic. I, I mean, it initially came from the Atlanticists to begin with. Right. And so they used they had their, their testing ground essentially, and they introduced this parasite it ultimately killed the host. And so they just ported the host elsewhere. Um, and so it wasn't, yeah, like the Soviets quote unquote were a, a proxy arm for a power block that that power block existed pre, it it pre-existed, um, uh, FDR and Churchill and FDR and Churchill were themselves proxy arms of the same power block. So uh, yeah, it's just, um, it's funny how, how something that's so mundane is turned is, is transformed into, you know, this thing that we have to talk like retards about. Like we have to, you know, we can't uh-huh. just sit yeah. here and just speak straight up. Cause again, like I want to be able to maintain the platform and use the platform for pragmatic reasons. I don't want to have to fucking deal with odyssey and rumble and all, like, <laughs> I, you know, I just as soon, just not do the show at all. So, um, yeah, it's very, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> disgruntled docs. <laughs> remember the uh the the squid with with autistic squid, yeah <laughs> uh the uh, autistic octopus there's got to be a a, a talk or something
1: disgruntled docs you should start like a, a second account called autistic octopus yeah that's good
0: um okay so you know where you just post of... clips
1: of the real Kingpilled show
0: Yes, yes, we would, we would very happily take a, 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 a clip show posting clips for us. Definitely do a bunch of work for free for us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We'll be very appreciative. (laughs) Um, so when we, when we discussed this, uh, the other day, uh, we talked about the, the whole, uh, Claudine gay, uh, Chris Rufo dynamic. There was, we, we, we discussed like this, this sort of split among the right wing and and it's persisted. I've seen people continuing to talk about this. Like what, at what point can we constitute this? At what point does something constitute a win? When we see these different things that happen, how is it a win? And what, what would make it a win and what would prevent it from being a win? And my, I would say that like my, my thesis here is that every single thing can be a win. It's a matter of whether or not you try to use it as a win. You try to make it into a win. And I think there's too much of a, there's a there's a proliferation among the right greater right-wing commentariat that is autistically obsessed with figuring out how every single thing that happens could be construed as a loss. I think this is probably fundamentally has to do with like risk averseness among conservatives or something like that. When anything happens, you're very skeptical and cynical and like, well, where, what's the catch? Where's the, where's the, uh, the, 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 the cost behind the scenes that I'm not seeing. That's a, that's a useful character trait to have, but when it begins to run amok, then you get this, like this dynamic where everybody is sitting around wasting time arguing about whether or not it's a win instead of just accepting it as a win because it's something that happened that you can claim as a win.
1: Can we, uh, the actual facts on
0: the matter don't, the actual facts on the ground don't matter. What matters is the perception. Yeah, go for it. Slow boy just said, you guys already got off the
1: subject pretty quick, but I think it's telling that AJ left up his interview of Kanye saying that he loved AH, but immediately took down an Orthodox Christian perspective. That's a good point. That is a good
0: point. It's
1: a very good point. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> hmm, I wonder, yeah, there's a there's a there's a temporal dynamic here too where like Hey, what are you
1: Are you implying something when you say you guys got off the subject pretty quick? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> are we are are you accusing us of uh Yeah.
1: Are you saying something? You you questioning my my courage? You questioning my balls? <laughs> I wish I was receiving money from some people. <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> shut it down. <laughs> yeah. Do we have a, I th- I'm pretty sure, sh- did I not do that? Maybe I thought that it would get, um, yeah, there's no shut it down uh, emote. I think I thought about putting it in there, but I thought it might get uh, a, it might get us flagged. Yeah, it's not in there. Oh, well. Uh. You know the emote of the uh the the rabbi with the walkie talkie like leaning up against a wall, he's like, shut it down. Yeah, yeah. Um So okay, what were we saying before the side quest? Oh, perception. So political power is a is very much it's like it's like ninety percent perception. You need to actually have the resources to back up that perception. But the way that you accumulate those resources is by weaponing perception. If people perceive you to be powerful, they will naturally follow you. People want to follow powerful people. This is the, like the the Charles Haywood thesis, which is that the vast majority of the people who are in the, the, within the regime, who occupy the regime, who are the devotees of the regime, all of these people are essentially mindless automatons. They've just been, they've received a particular set of programming and said, this is what's popular. This is what decent people think and believe. So you, this is what you're going to think and believe. Oh, okay. Okay. And they just, you know, march along with their programming. If somebody else was to come in and something new was to become fashionable, if they were to receive new programming, then they would pivot overnight and this new thing would be fashionable. You could see this happen in, between February and March of 2020, I don't know if you guys remember, but at first, the narrative about the uh, the the incoming um, sickness was that oh this is a this is a right wing plot to it's an anti Asian right wing plot. You had like Nancy Pelosi out dancing around in Chinatown. Yeah, and, go hug an Asian. Yeah, go hug an Asian. Yeah, they had that whole thing <laughs> going on, and literally almost overnight it pivoted in the opposite direction so these people just they just follow whatever is fashionable if you want to regain control of some segment of the nation the way you do that is by becoming fashionable and part of what dictates what's fashionable is who has the capacity to project power So leaving aside the actual facts on the ground, which is that in this case, it's most likely that she didn't resign because of plagiarism. Plagiarism was the excuse that was used to take her out because of her pro-Hamas stuff. However, there was no reason to do the whole plagiarism. There's no reason the plagiarism thing should have even gotten into the news in the first place. They could have very easily, if they were like, she's saying pro-Hamas stuff that we don't like, then they could have easily sat her down and said, you know, you're done. And then she could have resigned under, you know, saying that, you know, being a black woman in charge of this, you know, white supremacist institution has just been so draining to me and I'm just tired and I need a break. And you know, that would have been a very easy thing to do. It would have had very little repercussions, but that's not what happened. They had to use a pretext to get her out of there. And that pretext is objectively very besmirching To Harvard it's uncomfortable it's awkward. These people value prestige. There's not a single person who goes to Harvard who's happy about how that went down and and, and thinks that that's the best way that it could have happened. But leaving aside that fact again the facts on the ground don't matter what matters is perception we want the perception of a powerful organized capable right wing we want to be able to project the appearance of having the power to take over institutions and manipulate them take control of them project power and lead if we don't have that power actually right now then we can pretend we have that power so if the facts on the ground are, oh, it was, you know, the the tribe just just punishing their pet, okay, that's fine. You don't need to be you can be uh you can be truthful without being factual. So you we did that. That was us. When Chris Rufo claims his scalp for having done it, which I think he has a legitimate claim to that. But even if you disagree, even if you don't think he has a legitimate claim to that. If you say oh he's he's just the regime's pet. He's just trying to purify the institutions for them. He's they're they're using him as a tool to 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 clean up their institution and maintain their control of it. Okay, sure, maybe that's true. But just claim that he's your own pet. No, you're not the pet of the regime, you're our pet. You're doing what we tell you to do. And if you don't do what we tell you to do, you know if you're a Zionist and it turns out that you're going go, uh, to <laughs> if you're, if you're gonna go try to audit the. If you're going to go try to audit the these these institutions, and you're a Zionist and you're going to have your like Zionist little scheme that you've slipped in there where you, you know, you're not you're you're, you're protecting certain people or whatever. Okay, then you're going to lose all your support, and we're gonna we're gonna sprout up a dozen more of you. We're gonna get a dozen more little activism groups like chris rufo who are dedicated to projects like this if you think project veritas is gay okay start a project veritas that's not gay and do the same thing so the problem is like whenever anything like this comes up that 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 considers the uh concerns the tribe it's like a switch gets flipped with a bunch of people within the the right wing discourse, and they go into this borderline idolization, uh, like paroxysm, where no matter and like no matter what you say, they're no 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 they're they're ahead of us. They're actually they're one step ahead of us. You know they've been doing this for years. You can't get away from them. They're all powerful. Every single thing is their is their forty chess plot what you're doing is you're reifying their power you are helping them project project power if you say no 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 you right-wing goobers didn't accomplish all of this it was the Jews that accomplished that accomplished this they did it themselves they knocked their own person out of power and installed one of their own so they could exact control and continue and finish their plot and and get control of the narrative so people aren't arguing about Israel and Hamas what is our, you're just uh, doing the Adam Green thing. You're just you're propaganda for them. Gunick.
1: Um Yes. What is uh, our good friend, Mr. 2-Bit J? He always says, don't give your enemy more power than they have. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, in fact, claim their power is yours. In yes, this case, if Chris Rufo is one of their pets, okay. Tell everyone he's your own pet. He's our pet. He does what we tell him to do. We're the source of his power. If we decide we want to ruin him, we can ruin him. Now, part of yep. that is you. The, the 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 That's the right hand. The left hand has to be that you're actually manufacturing that power. But this is part of how you manufacture that power. It's by projecting Doc's,
1: it. Disgruntled Doc says memes win elections. Yeah, Yep. that's it. Right. Just meme it. Meme doesn't it into to,
0: reality. Doesn't have to be true. Right. And th- th- this is exactly how the last, how, how 2016 happened. It was memed into reality. You, We can coordinate and we can meme these sorts of things into reality. This is the like the white pill of the digital age is that now small groups of people can exercise outsized influence over the rest of the culture. That story that, got into the mainstream press and became a story happened because a relatively small group of people intentionally seeded that story into the press and even if that's not what happened you want people to think that's what happened because if people think that's what happened then that's what will happen you could literally all you need is people to believe these things are true if everybody believed that you get you got the like the a sufficient amount of the population to simply believe that the federal government had no power, that the Fed had no power, that whatever, and that actually the most powerful person was insert name here, then that person would be that powerful. It's literally just a matter of changing people's beliefs. So the way you do that is by modeling it into reality. This is what I think Chris Rufo gets right. He understands, regardless of who's funding him, regardless of what his ultimate goals are, he understands how you can start yanking the rug out from under the regime, forcing its hand. In this case, the regime was forced to exercise power. It was forced to reveal that power, reveal itself, formalize itself. Now we can point to, yeah, see she didn't the the president of Harvard had no power the president of Harvard is not a special office look they just they just knocked her right out of there they put one of their own in see see what it is this is what begins to to destroy the credibility of the university system which is the heart and soul of the existing regime if you want to fatally wound the regime destroy its credentialing systems. And this gets into what we were talking about, about a potentially actually viable course of action. Cause imagine this. So Chris Rufo tweeted, I couldn't find the exact tweet. I was scrolling through it, but the guy's tweets way too much. Um, I'm guilty of the same thing. He, uh, he tweeted that he's, but he's dedicating $10,000 toward a fund to to essentially do something along the lines of begin auditing more PhD dissertations. This is brilliant. This is perfect. Mm -hmm. We need way more than $10,000 dedicated towards something like this. Cause here's what you do. You start auditing everybody's PhDs, use these large language model AI systems and start auditing dissertations, all the dissertations that came before the internet, how many of them do you think have been plagiarized? how much plagiarism do you think you could find there? even if it was inadvertent? I'll bet you there's a ton of, you don't and you don't need every single one of them you just need a huge number of them and you need to find the targeted people. find the most influential people who attain status because of their degree from Harvard or their degree from yeah. Yale or just Stanford. go down the
1: just go down the list of the Ivy League schools yeah not that many of them. And there you go. You just cut off the head of the entire priest
0: class. Yes. You get the entire credentialing system nuked. And I watched this happen on Twitter. I've been on Twitter for like 15 years. The blue check was a very real thing. This is their, their narrative forming mechanism was the blue checks on Twitter. The blue checks were all the regime patsies, the people who just, just you know, they, they were on the email list. They got sent the- Or the, the controlled the opposition. The day and they'd all, yes. The people who needed to be listened to all had the blue checks i'm looking at this tweet yesterday from andrew tate his his gm tweet where he posted a video of him um at an orthodox monastery and i'm scrolling through the replies and every single one of them saying good morning good morning good morning good morning good morning every single one of them was a blue check and i realized the blue check was destroyed And I don't think it's a coincidence that over the last year or so, since that happened, the narrative has gone bonkers. They don't have their narrative control mechanism anymore. So you start auditing these dissertations and you start targeting the people at the major schools and start targeting professors at universities, because here's what happens if you go audit the dissertations for, for, for a professor at, say, at say I don't know, like USC. Here's Professor Bob, who taught these classes for 25 years. He's got tenure. He's, he's been here for forever. And we find out that he plagiarized on his dissertation. Now, that means all the students who went and, and, and learned from him and got their degrees from him were learning from a fraud. Their degrees, their diplomas are fraudulent. And they took out a whole bunch of student loans to get those degrees. So now the university is complicit in this fraud. The university facilitated, hired a fraud, and facilitated massive tuition debt for these students. And the university needs to be on the hook for that. You could even go so far as to actually start filing civil claims from students to professors. You know, Professor Bob, I took three classes from you. Those three classes cost, I don't know, $10,000 in tuition costs. And I've got this student loan, the student loan debt that I can't pay for, and I just found out my degree is fraudulent because you plagiarized on your dissertation. I'm going to sue you personally for that fraud. This is how you create a pretext for nationalizing universities seizing the endowments and using them to pay off student debt. And this is something that you can accomplish from a grassroots level, because all it takes is getting this on the the way this would work is you would want to do it at the state level, because the majority of the state funding, the majority of the funding through student loans happens at the state level. So individual states can start doing this. All it would take is a state congressman or a state senator Hearing some, an idea like this, having someone like Elon or Tucker or whomever mention this idea, get some energy behind it, and have them present some sort of legislation toward that end. You know what? Let's start with Texas A&M or what have you. Let's start with whatever university. We're going to go through and we're going to audit your professors. We're going to audit the deans. We're going to audit your dissertations. We're gonna get started. We're gonna find out how much of this system is built entirely on fraud, and if we find out that your university is 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 excessively fraudulent, then we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take control of your university. We're gonna seize the endowment, and use that to make right this fraud. And of course, correspondingly, what you need to do is you need to if you're just gonna if you're gonna gonna make right the fraud to the to the people who took on the student loans and got duped into this fraudulent system, to be fair, to be equitable, we need to make sure that we're giving, like, say, one-time payouts to people who didn't take on this debt, who didn't get defrauded like this. We're going to take that endowment money, and we're going to use it to, if you're a a blue-collar worker, you're going to get like a one-time stimulus payment. This is how you get political will behind this. Have, have a presidential candidate run on that campaign. You don't even need that. All you need is to start talking about it. Start pushing the political will forward. Tell other people about it. If you know, influential people suggest this idea to them. If you have money, put money behind a project like this.
1: Well, uh, we'll make a clip of this and just post it everywhere.
0: Yeah yeah tag everyone yes there's all there's all kinds of different uh uh contingencies and stuff that you'd have to have in place there's it's not like a a completely bulletproof like you're gonna have to adapt on the fly but this is what the right wing dissident conservative christian nationalist what have you this is what we need to be focused on is Strategies like this, you know how the media matters and the act blue and whatever they, they have like entire teams of activists on payroll with, with funding they get get from all their donors. Anytime a story drops immediately, here's the, here's the, uh, here's the, the talking points. Everyone start using these talking points, get this subject trending take control of the narrative immediately and frame it in this particular way. And they whoosh, run it right on up the flagpole. Everybody gets all the same talking points. And the narrative moves on forward. We need to have an equivalent version of that. And that's something that can start on a grassroots level. It doesn't even take, you don't need a, a billionaire giving you billions of dollars to make this happen. How much time does every single one of us spend just farting around on Twitter? or? watching some meaningless debate about something. Just not really, not really doing anything worthwhile, just kind of entertaining ourselves online. I know that for me, there's a lot of that time. And I know a lot of the people that I know, there's a lot of that time. And if you're listening to this right now, odds are you have incorporated into your lifestyle a lot of time spent on the internet, just fucking around, not really doing anything productive. It's just kind of what we do now. You can take that time, and you can dedicate it toward massaging and managing messaging like this. We have to coordinate. This is, this is part of our vision for the Kingpilled group, is to become one of these groups that can begin coordinating on projects like this. We're having to start small, but we want to eventually grow it into something that can actually be substantially influential toward these types of ends. And the great thing about that model is that we don't need to protect it. We don't need to protect it from other people. The more people doing this, the better. The more little hubs that we can get full of a few to several dozen to a few hundred people who are all coordinated and organized, cross-funding each other, coordinating messaging, working together behind the scenes, producing media, all the way up to like making movies or or, um, starting uh university comp uh uh, competitors you can start it from the ground level and you can go all the way up to however high you want this is the sort of thing this is the sort of energy that we need now it's time this is 2024 energy this is the two-bit podcast says in the in the chat he says this is positive vengeful Sun energy yes this is how the vengeful Sun comes back and positively executes vengeance on the failures of his father.
1: It's not hard to make things go viral. Get a couple no. hundred
0: people and you can just bootstrap it. Right. And I've seen this happen. I've seen mm-hmm. even our show and the little shows around us, you know, the um, the two-bit podcasts, CounterFlow with Buck Johnson, Pete Quinones, he's actually a pretty big show. But these, these sorts of podcasts begin discussing something and it... Whoosh, it trickles on up. The post-libertarian thing became something that like almost made it into mainstream discourse. People starting to use the term post-libertarian as far as, it, as a libertarian thing could make it. And that just started with a handful of us just sort of like kind of groping blindly. Like, We're not really sure what to do next, but we kind of see ourselves as post our libertarian phase in life. Uh, random username says, uh, $2 super chat. He says, I dub it the Harvard audit. Yeah. The Harvard audit. Start putting, I I don't even know where, where exactly to start this. I just think that it's a good idea and we need people who actually have the resources and have the know-how who can begin building we need. You need to be able to build it like technologically actually have the use of the large language model and have it programmed. And I don't have any freaking idea how any of that works. But have it set up to be able to actually do this. Go find the dissertations. Make sure, like, I'm sure probably a response to this would maybe be trying to put all of them behind paywalls. So figure out a way to do that. You need funding to be able to pay for the paywalls. And it, and it, you don't just have to do restrict this just to this specific issue. If you get enough people who are all thinking this way, where internet posting can become political activism, that means that your hobby can be political activism. You can have a career, and you can use your hobby to advance the political goals that you want to see by cooperating at the grassroots level and taking advantage of the technologies that we have at our disposal now. The ability to make something go viral and force a conversation. Force something into the mainstream, like the president of Harvard was caught was, was caught plagiarizing and force the outcome. And even if you don't get the exact outcome that you want, you have to be uh, optimistic and forward-thinking enough that you can adapt on the fly. And it Figure doesn't out really matter. Figure how each thing can be taken as a win. It doesn't matter. Even if they, like, uh,
1: you know, the blob, you know, reacts and they get one of their guys in there and they smooth things. It doesn't matter because all you're trying to do is seed into the popular consciousness the illegit- illegitimacy of the institution. Right. You're just try- What you're trying to do is knock their credibility. And if yes. all of the presidents of all these Ivy League schools are frauds, you you did it. Yes, that's it. You've whatever. destroyed the I mean, credentialing maybe they,
0: mechanism for the regime.
1: Yeah, they can. You know, at that point, they can continue doing
0: whatever they want. It doesn't matter. Hmm. And to be clear, because this is this is that little right wing voice that says, "Oh well, they'll just come up with another credentialing mechanism." Okay, destroy that one too. You already did or it once. Even better, do it again. Put yourself in a position to be the one who determines what the next credentialing mechanism is going to be. The 2-Bit Podcast is going to be talking, coming up here pretty soon. Uh, They're going to be doing, I don't know if he's doing it in January still. Let us know in the chat, Jay. Um, They're going to be talking about the PayPal mafia. and I think this is a very, very interesting thing that we need to really pay attention to. Because it seems very much like the uh, burgeoning counter-elite that is rising up to replace the ossifying, fracturing, degrading existing elite may be coming through the paypal mafia there is a tremendous amount of money and influence and uh technological capacity within that group of guys and there's plenty of them that that for all intents and purposes seem like they're likely uh could be regime toadies just as much but that's what's going to happen that's how the the one regime collapses into a new regime is people who were members of the original regime figure out how to port themselves into the new regime and it becomes a new regime like i'm not under the the um the illusion that whatever the next regime is going to somehow be a, a based christian empire it'd be cool if that was the case i'd like to contribute whatever i can to making that be the case but even if it's a new regime that winds up being hostile to us, and and you know it just changes the playing field, at least it's a different playing field. I'm tired of this one. This one sucks.
1: Right, and I Let's think have the a problem. Different one. one of the reasons why the things like this don't get off the ground very much is because people want to own the idea. Hmm. Yep. <clears throat> I look at uh, like random username just said in the chat. Get Michael Malice to to see the seed the idea, and it will spread. Yeah, we're like. I mean, Matt has, Matt knows Michael Malice personally. Mm-hmm. Has like met him in real life.
0: Yeah, yeah, and talked to him, him several him times.
1: times. Yeah, that guy's got a huge following, mm-hmm. and his Jesus. audience, his audience is the exactly the kind of people who would be on board just to see the chaos. Would be on board yes. with something like this. So we're like literally one step removed from making this happen. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're okay with like not getting your ego in and and wanting to own the idea,
0: like the outcome is what matters. Not that you get the credit for it. And then the other thing is not just people trying to own the idea, but then people who are like naturally wired to be excessively pessimistic and just look for the flaw in everything, every single thing. And so, like, oh, well, if you do that, then they're just going to do this. Or then you do that and then they're going to do this. And then take that energy and put it towards solving that problem so that that isn't a thing that they can do. Think like, think freaking strategically about this. Don't get so bogged down in cynicism and blackpilling that it just paralyzes you. You become impotent. This is Gunacree. Speaking of Gunacree, Jason pointed out that there's 30 watching, now 31, and only 9 likes. Come on, you guys. Come on, enough of this Gunacree. Give us credit. Give us our likes. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when we were talking about this this subject last night. Great men
1: want to be famous, Cooper. I'm not a great
0: man. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're great to me, Cooper. When we were discussing this in the uh, the the Kingpilled voice chat last night, uh we were to get kind of a little like abstract or meta about this. If you imagine the 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 particular I do not want to be famous. <laughs> The particular tendency of yeah, it kind of sucks. Like I'm, I do not know if I'm ever gonna get caught up on my on my my Twitter notifications right now because I had the, a couple of tweets that got a bunch of interactions, and now it's just it, it's gonna be. I'll probably I'm sorry if I don't reply to you and you you said something interesting. I don't know if I'll ever get caught up. Um, yeah, you're not I even famous, and you're just just a little bit of you're 15 minutes of
1: fame over here on this little slice of the internet, and that's yeah. too much for you to keep up on. Like, uh, leave me alone, guys. <laughs> I, don't I want cannot that. fathom
0: <laughs> how the people that get like like. Four figure retweet tweets multiple times every day. I have no idea how they function on the app. It doesn't doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. <laughs> so the so the people we were talking about at the beginning of the episode the uh, the the people who largely constitute the, uh, the the heart and soul of the regime, so to speak. Um, one of the ways that they have progressed their way through different societies is by mimicking the behavior of an elite and what i mean by that is to be a true elite in a society you have to achieve a status whereby you have the capacity to manipulate events and to determine outcomes of events for that given society while yourself being removed from the outcomes of that society. So you're, you're protected from the outcomes, but you're able to still determine them yourself. I think that's what would constitute a true elite. And the, the dilemma that we have here is you need to get someone like that who has managed to detach themselves from having their outcome be determined by the outcome of the society, but they still have the power to project back into that society and determine the outcomes of that society. We need to get someone like that and have them still be invested in the outcomes of our society positively invested in our interests even though they objectively don't have a reason to be they still are for sentimental or responsible or spiritual or whatever reasons so as a new counter elite is rising these are people who have to, so, to whatever extent manage to extract themselves from having the outcome of their life be determined by the outcome of the society, but they're still invested in owning and controlling the society, what we need is to figure out a way to attach our interests to theirs, so that as they rise, they take us up with them. We can be very pragmatic about this. We don't need them to perfectly accept every principle of our own lives, we just need them to see our interests as something they want to promote because we generate them some sort of value or, or what have you. The way that the 109 countries people made their way through each of these countries was by mimicking that, that profile of person. Because when you get that profile of person who, who has managed to extract their own future out of the future of the society, but they're still manipulating and controlling the society. And they're doing it toward the destruction of that society. That's called a parasite. So they've parasitized parasitized their way through one society after another. Now, given the reality of the internet, of this digital space being kind of like a new world, we're actually able to use it as a sort of a pressure release valve where instead of like the way events have progressed, if it wasn't for the ability to project political violence into the internet heads would have been rolled by now. But because we have the internet as a pressure release valve, someone can be canceled rather than beheaded. I don't know if it's going to be possible to fully export all politics into the digital world. That seems kind of utopian to me, But we can at least move as far in that direction as we can, to where political debates and fights and wars can happen digitally without people actually being killed. The way you do this is you become simultaneously fluent and and able in the use of online technology, while also um, uh, uh, detaching your vulnerability from online. So basically, you have to become this profile of elite that I'm talking about, where you are both able to manipulate and control the situation and dictate its outcomes, but you've also protected yourself from being taken down when it goes down, or if it goes down. And I think it's very interesting. This, to me, sounds like what Christian leadership is. This is how Christian, Christian men, like having that Christian belief is the thing that makes those elites invest in the society even though they wouldn't have to otherwise. This is true masculinity. I think it's interesting that the, the tribe has mimicked that while doing it parasitically. And now that's what's, that's what's becoming evident. And I think people who are waiting for oh you know uh, we're gonna get off the Earth you know we're gonna there's gonna be colonies on the Moon or or Mars or Venus or wherever okay sure maybe let's I'll I'll, I'll entertain your your space fantasy and say <laughs> okay maybe but there's no way that that's gonna be like accessible to the general public and not really narrowly funneled through acceptable official channels for a very long time. So you're going to have to be able to, you you need an intervening empire before you can get to the space empire or the outside the ice walls empire, as the case may be, or the inside of the hollow earth empire or whatever else, you're going to need an intervening empire where you can, you can port yourself into and protect and promote your interests there. And I think the, the ability to earn an income online, to sustain yourself through your network of people who are earning incomes online, I think this is the future. This is the way that you detach your, your, your actual outcome from the societal outcome. So when the empire collapses, you don't collapse with it. You're still able to sustain yourself in digital space. And you have a network of people that you can use for skill swapping or on, um, uh, you know, uh, uh cross investing or l- literally like giving your shirt off your back to each other. Like mutual aid societies are actually really cool things.
1: Colonizing beyond the ice wall.
0: Yeah. See, now we're I talking, wanna, that's where I want to go beyond the ice wall fun. so bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like the new world. It's like, it's like you had the, oh, the old world people who are in Europe and they weren't thinking, oh, there's a gigantic continent out there that we could go colonize. They're just like, oh yeah, you know, we're here in, in Europe. And, and then one day people discovered, Hey, there's a colony there. There's, there's a, a continent over here that we can go colonize. What if there was another landmass out there somewhere that was yet to be discovered that we could go colonize. Wouldn't that be awesome? Imagine how different that would make you think about the world. This is kind of what I meant before, when I talked about like, just, just, just suspending disbelief and just being like, well, if the earth was flat, or as a disk or some sort of horizontal plane, and there was more land out there somewhere, then how would that change your perspective on life? Would you feel as black-pilled and doom and gloom about the existing way of things, or would it inspire hope and optimism and that kind of reignite that American sense of adventurism, going out and conquering the wasteland? subduing the frontier I think that's like that's like one of the most exciting ideas imaginable to me And we could try to go up and uh, go up and touch the the the, uh, the dome. firmament too if we wanted to yeah see what's at the top water yeah It'd be funny if you like go up and you like poke it and it like you like poke there's like a film and you poke it and it like whoosh, like splashes a bunch of water the whole in your face. the whole world gets flooded again <laughs> yeah right <laughs> you're, you're like drinking out of the world's largest fire hose <laughs>
1: oh god what have i done
0: <laughs> no no stop 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 try to put my finger back in it like the little tape. kid with the dam <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah there's uh one related idea, maybe we, we might do a whole episode on this at some point. But um, there's this concept called an IQ shredder. Is that how is, it uh, happened the first time? Says Ryan Isaac.
1: Yeah, that's how it happened. They built yeah. the Tower of Babel and they climbed up there and poked the fur. Wait, t- Tower of Babel was afterwards. <laughs> it was after. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, that 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 hypothesis died. Some quick. caveman would just like throwing a spear or shooting a bow somewhere and. Oops. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh no. What did you do? <laughs> 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 Brent Dietrich says if it's there it's already been colonized. That's what Admiral B- Admiral Byrd saw, right? Yeah. You know like I, I I definitely seems to be a lot of smoke there. You know remains to be seen if there's any fire. If there is fire then it can melt all the all the ice for us. Yeah. I'm um, there's this concept called an IQ shredder. This is a, a term that uh, Nick Land has used, but it was actually originally coined by uh, Spandrel, another NRX writer. Um, and he had a, uh, he, he kind of, I guess he's, he like reasoned through that uh, you have the university systems that arose as um, centers of knowledge and study and learning and so forth. And the natural tendency then was for urban areas to develop around universities or universities to develop in urban centers. And then they began attracting the best and brightest from the surrounding area. So then you wind up after sufficient generations, you wind up getting a, uh, um, a disparity between the collective IQ of the urban centers versus the rural centers. And, but then what happens is it turns out when you get a bunch of high IQ people together, the birth rates drop, there's a a number of reasons for this. You get both, uh, men and women, both who are high IQ, both tend to be more invested in their work and, um, you know, doing other things and they just don't have children as much. This is a pretty well-documented phenomenon. So it turns out that the, the, um, Given the heritability of IQ, when you have high IQ people having fewer babies and low IQ people having uh, more babies, then the average IQ drops. And that's the, so the university system then is an IQ shredder um, or yeah, cities, none more of these, broadly speaking. None of
1: these high IQ people go back to the, you know, rinky dinky right. town they came from. So those rinky dinky towns start to fall apart because mm-hmm. all of the people who are, you know, like bright and could fix things. They're all gone. Uh huh, and then they're having less kids while they're in the yeah. So then they just they kind of like extinguish themselves, and now we're yeah. all dumb, right? And no one knows how to fix anything.
0: Yep, and so then uh, another you also see this in uh, Singapore has uh, and some of the other uh, like major cities that have they're 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 like IQ magnets. They people who are high IQ have a strong reason to go there, and they collect they collect there, and it. I don't remember if spandrel actually made this point or but i was just thinking about it that really that's what the west has been the west was was built largely around the university system and and that the credentialing mechanisms associated with it and the, the schools of thought associated with the university system and then has spent uh centuries at this point basically brain draining the rest of the world you have all of the, this is the way all of the immigration starts at first is you have all the best and brightest. They're the ones who, who are attracted and brought into the university systems. And that's the way they all localize together, which means that the Western societies have been shredding IQs, given these all these dynamics together. Well, now that we have the internet and we have a way of congregating in ways that that, that, that violate the laws of time and space, we can actually arrange ourselves in different ways now, and you get a detachment between geography and IQ, where now you can actually have high IQ people who live in rural areas, but they're able to work and function and, and make a living and may even make a very good living, working entirely remotely. So as we're as we're forming intentional communities, we can take this into consideration, this dynamic. It's just another example of how the internet just just barely is we've just barely scratched the surface of what of what the the actual sociological and anthropological impact of the internet is going to be on humanity for better and for worse it's just we're just i mean social media has been around for 15 years we've never like it's barely adapted itself to the human person We all we've we've done is we've created like communities where we just kind of go and sit there and, Hey guys, look at a meme, you know, let's, let's debate this thing and it's just sort of a passive sort of consumptive moderately interactive community. But I think part of the story of 2024 is going to be the formation of new boundaries. We're starting to see, uh, with this political realignment, we're actually The political realignment isn't just in terms of political parties or political philosophies, but it's in terms of what actually constitutes a polity to begin with. It's it's beginning to detach itself from geography, which has good implications and bad implications. But I think one of the big ones is that the very concept of a nation is going to be redefined. A nation just being a geographical location is going to kind of cease to be a thing. Just a thought I had and kind of call back to your,
1: to the, to, the, to like the, uh, the auditing and the, you know, the plagiarism stuff. One potential effect, side effect of kneecapping, you know, the, uh, or, or killing the credibility of all of the uh, credentialing institutions mm-hmm. is, you can kind of reverse the IQ shredder dynamic a bit. Oh, that's true. Because if Harvard, if the place where all the high IQ people go is seen as a joke and a waste of time and fraudulent, then they're not going to go there. They might go somewhere else, but they might not stick around in their, their podunk town. But, you know, basically the idea is make the cities. And I think they're already kind of just doing this on their own. um, Inhospitable and, Undesirable to anybody who is bright, mm hmm. And then they're going to use those creative capabilities in other domains,
0: yeah. That's a really interesting thought. Up here, uh, random, I have them said, every now and then. Said, so he said, so open borders is the anti IQ shredder. Nah. I don't know if that would necessarily <laughs> be the case because
1: accelerationism.
0: Yeah, we, yeah. Yeah. That would be very much acceleration. Just bring in the third world and the third world and just drop them off in all of the cities. <laughs> yeah. Because like in this particular case, what we have is IQ shredding that has been happening for a few centuries. And then all of the places that had all of the high IQ people harvested away from them are now coming and following the high IQ people who have just been in the process of shredding IQ. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're getting the, the low IQ being brought into the, uh, the, the lowering IQ. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily maybe on a long enough timeline. This just actually kills IQ altogether. Maybe, you know, a hundred years from now, the hundred years from now, the median IQ is going to be like 85, which I know is not like, it's a joke. <laughs> Everyone's just going to get dumber. Um, anyways, I think that was. That basically covered uh everything that I had on my mind today did we uh is there anything we missed? can you remember that we talked about earlier hmm
1: not that I can think of right now what uh maybe uh you want to wax poetic for a moment about some of the ideas that we have of what we kind of want to do in the future here?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> I have this kind of the a, a, a thought that I've been toying around with lately that I, I, I sort of want to come up with better terminology for it, just because the, the t- existing terminology in my head strikes me as kind of gay, but you know, whatever. Um, this idea of, of human capital of, of each of us having an allotment of human capital and having a responsibility to increase that human capital. You could think of this in terms of the, the biblical parable about the, uh, the talents and the, each of the, the men who were given a talent of, uh, which was essentially a, 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 like an amount of currency. And they had a responsibility to increase that currency while the Lord was away. And you have the, the one guy who buried it in the ground because he was like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't want to, um, just don't want to lose it. But he's like all pessimistic and he's not actually making the most of it. So you've got, I've got this, this idea about human capital that essentially we all have a given amount of human capital and human capital comes in, uh, a, a there's three broad categories that I've thought of for, for how you could think about human capital. Uh, number one would be physical capital. And you can think of this in terms of like actual like economic terms of, you know, uh, like land, machinery, buildings, etc. Uh, it could also be money. Um, and, uh, but I would say it would even include things like your physical condition, like your endurance, your strength, your um, ability to, to move, your aesthetic uh, uh, appearance, the, the impact, the aesthetic impact that you have on other people then it might even be something like your 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 voice and your ability to talk where that kind of that kind of blends into the next one which would be social capital social capital would be kind of like the you know your network is your net worth kind of idea you have your relationships it would start with your family first and foremost if you're not married then it would be your you know your existing family before you get married if you are married then or you're engaged to be married it's that relationship you have your church that network, you have professional networks, you have friend networks. You also have the capacity to network, which would be something that would be included under social capital. You have the capacity to generate relationships, to make new friends, to, to, um, make business connections. Some people just have this matchmaking, uh, uh impulse and they're good at it. Naturally good at talking to people. That would be your social capital. The last thing would be your um intellectual capital and this would include things that are typically called intellectual capital like um uh uh, uh it's like specific trade secrets you have or, or ideas or contracts or um uh, expertise expertise uh patents um it would also be your overall your general intelligence and your ability to generate good ideas if you're someone who's very well read, has a has a, a wide range of of knowledge, of applicable, relevant knowledge that they can use, um, operable knowledge, or they have the capacity to study and research and generate that knowledge, then these would all things would all be things that fall under intellectual capital. And I think these three forms of capital—physical, social, and intellectual—are ultimately proxies for something that i I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to. I just could be very careful with this idea. Hold this lightly. These three forms of capital are proxies for spiritual capital. Spiritual capital being the the talents, the gifts, the blessings that you've been given by God which equate to responsibilities. They equate to the duties that you have to yourself and to your fellow man. Any discipline properly undertaken is a spiritual discipline. So working out and taking care of your body, improving your physical capital can be and is a spiritual discipline when it's done properly. Building relationships, making connections between people, forming communities. It's a social capital. It's also a spiritual discipline when properly undertaken, when undertaken prayerfully and intentionally. And then intellectual capital, the things that you choose to occupy your mind with, the ideas you choose to associate with, the innovation innovative cap, uh, innovative capacity that you have. This is, these are also spiritual disciplines. So we've each been given these talents. We've been given this capital. And so the theory goes that you, you need at least two of them to truly be successful, to, to consider yourself a success, to consider yourself properly using your talents. So if you have a lot of physical capital and a lot of social capital, you're, you're in a good spot, you're being productive because those two are going to marry themselves together. If you're wealthy and you have a lot of relationships, then you can use those relate, you can use your wealth to facilitate those relationships and vice versa. You can be very productive through business partnerships, uh, 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 uh like generating and, and, and producing products as a consequence of those business relationships, providing for your family, making sure that you have a stable supply of, you have land, you have food, you have, um, money for emergencies, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe you don't necessarily have the intellectual capital. Maybe you're not the brightest. You don't have any special ideas yourself, but you have great relationships with people and you have a lot of physical capital. And so you can put those two things together, and you can be successful with that. And it also tells you, if I want to become like a true polymath, a true like a completely well-rounded person, I'm going to take an assessment of the capital I have at my disposal and see. Oh, I'm really low on the intellectual capital side. I'm kind of dumb, you know. I don't I don't read well. I don't know anything. I don't Um, read good. Yeah, yeah. I just say you know I'm great at talking to people and. And having a good time and, you know, I can build relationships well, and I know how to form communities and get people excited about stuff and, and I'm attractive and I've got money and, you know, I need to work on my intellectual capital. So that's, that's something you, now, now you have a, a target. You have something you can focus on to improve yourself because these things become exponentiators of each other. If you had someone who had very high physical capital, very high social capital and very high intellectual capital that becomes a genuinely um unique special person that's going to accomplish a lot it's it's like impossible if you have all three of those things it's it's impossible for you to not accomplish a lot on the flip side maybe you don't have any physical capital maybe you're fat and out of shape you're kind of ugly you um, don't get along with people maybe you're shy um you know but you are you're you have either you have money what was I saying? I was saying physical capital. So you've someone that's with with low physical capital, you don't have a lot of money, you're fat and out of shape, but you get along well with people. You're a good talker, you're, you're, um, you're able to to, um, build relationships well with people. And you have uh, intellectual capital, you're very smart, very, you know, uh, you've read a lot, you've got uh, specific credentialing or um, uh, trade secrets or patents or what have you. Then, you know, that the thing you need to focus on is getting in better physical shape and dedicate and using the the social capital and intellectual capital, you have to increase your physical capital? If you only have one, like maybe probably the most unusual one would be people who only have physical capital. Cause it'd be someone who's like, who's like attractive and in shape and has a lot of money or land or machinery, but like they can't make friends and <laughs> and like don't know don't get along with people don't know anyone and they're really dumb like probably a pretty unusual kind of a person <laughs> um but uh uh if you only have one then you know you really know like okay i need to get to work here if all you have is say intellectual capital you're very smart you're very knowledgeable you have and you're autism well read you have autism yeah but you don't get along well with people you don't know anyone you just spend all your time by yourself and you don't have any money you don't have like a good job you're out of shape fat and ugly you know whatever then you have a choice you can choose based on the intellectual capital that I have I'm gonna I'm gonna make an a make an accounting of the intellectual capital that I have and figure out how I can deploy that intellectual capital And then I'm going to use it to leverage myself into improved social capital or improved physical capital or both. If you can take your ideas and you have, you have um, like unique specialized industry knowledge that you can monetize, and then you can learn how to advertise on social media and how to cold call people and, and build out a, a, a professional network. Then you can, you can capitalize on your intellectual capital to increase the others so I think this is this is a, a framework for um evaluating your own current status in life evaluating like where you stand and what your trajectory is you can take an accounting of what you have to this point do you have a family what sort of family obligations do you have what sort of professional network do you have how many how many how many eyeballs are at your disposal What sort of specialized knowledge you have that you could, you could use to improve someone else's life and get them to return value to you in, in return for it. Or if you've got the resources, you have the money, you have the, the specialized knowledge, but you don't have the network, you don't have a community to get involved in, then you need to find one. You need to improve that social capital. Because those, those people, the people who have a lot of physical capital and they have a lot of uh, intellectual capital, but they're lacking the social capital, I think that's probably one of the most common type of person that's, that's out there today. Because of what's happened, the, the initial wave of the internet had this dissociating, fracturing effect on our societies. It's broken people down and atomized them. I think the next wave of the internet is going to be people who begin using the internet. It's already starting. People who are using the internet to form communities, to bring people back together, to reunite, Which reunify people.
1: Long-term right. goal. That's kind of it's what we'd like to do. Mm-hmm. And this, we're not the first ones to do this. We've, there's, there's models out there. You can think of mm-hmm. like BearTaria or you can think of like the liminal order or whatever uh, the exit group like there's there's people who have done this before and to varying degrees of success most of them there's this fatal flaw with intentional communities and even not just digital intentional communities but even even like like historical intentional communities during the utopian movement and stuff they they all they all fell apart for the same reason And that's, Uh they're usually ran by a fricking lunatic. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) So
1: that's the problem we're trying to solve right now is we want to start a group kind of like that, a similar idea, but something that is not, we kind of want to like open source the idea, something that can like really, we can spring these kind of groups up everywhere, create a network of groups. Yes. Um... I think... Something Such that, that kind of if similar. one of if one of them is ran by a lunatic, you can kind of you know excommunicate that that group. Right, yeah. And it's not gonna like <laughs> yeah. sink the whole project. Just right. Just kind of keep everything below the Dunbar number and spin out a bunch of little subgroups.
0: Yes. Yes. Because the the um these ideas like Bertaria or liminal order or um this exit group, like exit group is actually, if you look at ExitGroup.us, group.us, they're essentially they'd be uh, basically like a kind of a competitor, so to speak, of what the sort of idea that we're thinking about. But that's the thing is that there is no competitor. This isn't a thing. There's This isn't an idea where competitors exist because the nature of the project is one that you don't want everybody to be a part of the same group. You intentionally right. want to have lots of little groups. Ideally, you you develop a structure that has a, like a natural like franchising model essentially built into it where once you reach a certain threshold, you naturally spin off subgroups. The great thing about digital space is that you can do this infinitely. So that if Matt one day like licks a toilet seat
1: and gets syphilis and goes crazy, then the whole project isn't just completely sank.
0: Right, right. Because our
1: fearless leader has gone insane.
0: (laughs) Ryan says there has to be a higher unifying principle than the leader, right. This, yeah, so th- the ones that don't have a higher explicitly christian yeah if they don't have a higher unifying principle they'll that's why they always fall apart right right and i think that there's 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 ways now of of like explicitly building into the structure of the community the digital community mechanisms for for sort of engineering the sort of dynamic that you want the problem is you have to have the community you have to have the people who um, are interested and invested and in wanting to promote the success of the community itself who are invested in the goals of the community and the community itself. Cause this is the, like the problem with the, with bureaucracies. Is it, what's it? Uh, Pornell's iron law of bureaucracy that inevitably <laughs> did, you, every organization... did you say Pornell? Yeah. That's his name. Yeah. Pornell. I thought it was Cornell. Cornel. No, oh, Pornell. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
1: I thought you just were Freudian slip.
0: <laughs> He's always on the mind, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, I think it's P-O-U-R-N-E-L-L-E, if I'm remembering right. his The Pornell's Iron Law of, of Bureaucracy is that inevitably in every bureaucracy, you get a split into the people who are working for the goals of the organization and the people who are working for the organization itself. There becomes a, a departure. There's a split between the reason you founded the organization and the ostensible purpose of it and the organization in and of itself becoming an end in itself and you don't you don't want that to happen you don't want the organization to be an end in itself you want it to be an end in itself where the end of it is the the goal of it does this make sense like you want to unite those two things where people have an investment into the community because the the more the community advances, the more the goals of the community are advanced. You like collapsing those into one another by creating an incentive structure for it. And I think this is the sort of thing that could even be um, encoded. I don't think it should be strictly encoded, because the if you're trying to if you're trying to to you can't fully automate community. You can automate a lot of the aspects of it, but at, at its heart there has to be that human unautomated un-autom- free will i don't mean free will in the in the like gay like volitional sense i mean the the full personal investment where the human being is invested in it for the sake of the the of, of, of pursuing the outcome of the community i know we're kind of talking a little abstractly about this right now but it's, it's, this is partly because we're this idea has kind of captured us and we're trying to figure out how how exactly to make it work and we have more tangible ideas, um, that we want to, uh, explore down the road. Um, but for now, I guess what we want to do is, 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 is put out a call essentially to like, is there anybody else who seems, who, who finds this interesting? Is there anybody else who's intrigued by this idea who recognizes the potential of this sort of thing? Like if you formed little communities, like, like exit group or, you know, liminal order or Bertaria, and they weren't, Exit Group is run by good guys. I, I think it's a it's a it's a fantastic model. Bertari and Liminal Order were both uh, uh, founded by uh, lunatics, and <laughs> that was basically the fatal flaw of it. Um, but I think the ideas right. themselves are very cool.
1: Yeah. So you you want a group, or you want it to be built in such a way where there's a mechanism, or maybe maybe the problem is just like okay. At some point, given a long enough timeline, the uh, the fearless leader of the group is going to be, you know, we're going to find out he's like a gay Jew or, he's, <laughs> you know, there's going to be some scandal just because we're all human or whatever. So the goal is <laughs> like, on,
0: I'm, I'm writing some notes. on remembering to delete some stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe the goal is just like, OK, we got to spin up this group and then we got to hit the Dunbar number and we have to have like a franchising model so it can like break off hmm. And then start more groups. Maybe maybe the goal is like to get to there before the fearless leader becomes a lunatic. Right. You know? Right. yeah, that's it. All, all that matters is like making getting this idea going, making it go like bermaticos mm-hmm. and. Yeah, that's kind of that. We're in like pre alpha alpha here. OK, so yeah, yeah, we're looking for people to kind of help us with who have ideas or are interested in something like that to kind of help us like, OK, We've got all these ideas. Which of these ideas are, are shit? Which are good? What should we focus on? Mm-hmm. Start putting in like what steps need to be taken to make this happen, right?
0: Because I think part of what's going to make it successful is that the community. The community needs to be. Oh, let me, let me back up. The way that internet communities right now function is primarily on a a prime. It's primarily on a primarily consumptive model where yep. the vast majority of the, the, the engagement with the community is on a consumption basis, where you have people who are posting and people who are, are are replying, but it's mostly like people are showing up to consume entertainment, knowledge, information, whatever, from the community. And I think that the looking at the trajectory of capital and the way that capital deracinates and depersonalizes people and turns them into consumers when you get the automation of the industrial revolution and the automation of 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 consumer generation it basically devolves into an entire society full of explicitly consumers and we've we're losing our productive capacity so we need to bootstrap that productive capacity again so the 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 community needs to have a it needs to be productive inwardly so that by people participating in the community they're producing into the community and they're receiving back from their what, how what they've produced in the community, but it also needs to be productive outwardly. As I think that's what generates the value of the community, where the community begins being seen as valuable from the outside, which makes it desirable, which makes people want to join it because they want to receive the value. But in order to join it, you have to be you have to produce value in it. So you 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 you're 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 uniting these incentives where. People want to be part of the community so bad because they see how productive it is that they're willing to produce within the community to generate that productivity because they get a return from it. So this is the sort of thing we're we're, we're trying to figure out exactly how to engineer this. And I think that there, I think there should be a lot of demand for something like this. Basically a community where you can improve your own capital, your own human capital. It's something that is going to offer you an opportunity to improve your own physical capital, your own social capital, and your own intellectual capital. It offers all of the above. But you have to invest in it yourself in a way that positively benefits everybody else within the community. Because when you do that, you benefit from it more. Because it's producing outside the community as well. And I think you can match this up with the model of like what we're talking about today— where you're like activisming as a hobby in the Chris, Chris Rufo sort of way generating these sorts of ideas, making them go viral and funding the people who are actually going to undertake those things. And if you had a bunch of groups
1: like this, who were all connected to each other, because like you had an original group and some of the people from that went and started another group and then another, another group and everybody knows each other. Like, the potential for
0: social engineering, basically Mm -hmm. like, like this, this could actually become, it could supersede national identity. Yeah. If this sort of idea was rooted somehow and was able to take off and rep be replicated, we could move into a future where you're no longer identified as an American or a Canadian or what have you. The, the identification that provides the most social utility is which of these little groups are you a part of? This little digital Liechtenstein. Mm-hmm. Kind of a patchwork. Yes, that was actually one of the things that first inspired this was Moldbug's patchwork. Thinking about, well, could you create a digital patch? A digital patch where it's like digital real estate and you're functioning as like a digital property developer and people are buying digital property with a, like a contractual obligation to improve the value of that slice of digital property, because when they improve the value of that slice of digital property, the, the whole, the whole digital village increases in value. All the people who live in the digital village, the digital villagers are digital investors, digital shareholders. You have a CEO and a board of directors and collectively you have a, a, a cooperation between the CEO and the board of directors and the villagers. You increase the value of that digital village. Because the great thing about the digital world is that it's not like in meat space where, all right, we're gonna go get this like you know 10 square mile little patch of land and we're gonna begin developing it. And there's gonna be a, 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 a time and space constraints that we cannot overcome. We, the only thing we can do is build up or build out. And both of those have their own issues in digital space you can build infinitely inward you can have like a city within a city within a city within a city within a city fractals fractals really cool math thing anyways so this is the this is kind of where our mind has been lately and we uh Um, we're going to have some, a way you guys can actually, if you're actually interested and you want to get involved and help us try to, try to hammer all this stuff out, we're going to have a sign up mechanism for you guys, um, where you can come in, you can join the Kingpill Discord and, and get started and, and, and participate in that with us. Um, we're trying to get it as soon as possible. I've been, I had like 12 different long phone calls yesterday on a whole bunch of different things. I'm going in so many different directions that, um, we just need to get stuff set up, but, once we have it set up, we'll let you guys know if you're actually interested in, in this and you want to be involved, we're going to give you a way to, to demonstrate to us how involved you want to be. And that'll be kind of our test case for is there any viability to this? Is this something that actually other people th- think that it has legs?
1: Need some uh, feedback. Is it something
0: worth- yeah, yeah, we, we'd, like, we'd like some feedback because I think we've kind of topped out our own uh, like ideation capacity. For this, we've, we've we we kind of keep hitting the same brick wall over and over again, and so we're, we we want to get some some fresh blood. We need to get the circulation of the elites effect. You know, we need to get some 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 fresh elite minds around us to start helping us generate ideas. So, anyways, we've been going for uh, over an hour and a half now, so we should probably wrap up. Uh, appreciate you guys. Shout out to Two Bit Podcast. Uh, five dollars super chat. It's five dollars Australian, so it's you know you know it's it's fine, I guess. Um, he said uh, he said. Be the crisis you want to see in the world thank you sir we appreciate you two-bit podcast he's been very uh very intimately involved in all these conversations with us as well and uh and if you guys want then you can join the king pill discord right now um if you join for for the time being if you sign up subscribe star.com kingpilled sign up whatever tier you want when you come in you'll be automatically grandfathered as soon as we roll out the new, um, what our new uh, plan is. It'll already be, it'll be available to you automatically if you sign up now. Um, anyways, I think, uh, I think that's basically all. I don't think I missed any uh, live chats here. Let me make sure. Uh, nope. All right. Well, thank you much, guys. Appreciate you. Uh, remember, if you can l- like the stream, share it with someone. Subscribe to the channel if you're not already subscribed. And uh, if you like the idea of what we were talking about earlier with the university audit and the connection to student loans and seizing the endowments and all that, share this with people. Start talking about it. Share the idea. You can send them to us if you want, if you want a des- description of it. But if even just start describing the idea to people. Just share it. Spread it out. We're going to cut it up into a smaller, more bite-sized portion that you guys can share if you'd like. Um, thank you for your, uh, your participation in the live chat and the comments and stuff that you guys send us, your DMs. We very much appreciate them. Um, and we, we, we like this dynamic where there's this interactive, uh, uh, relationship between the, the, the hosts and the audience. I think it's a cool model. And I think, uh, I think we're part of the wave of the future. So you can follow me on Twitter at real follow Cooper at Cooper Brooks, and we will catch you guys next time. Oh. One other thing, we have a very special guest who is going to be joining us in the not-too-distant future. Need to nail down a specific time, maybe next week. We'll see. Have to get the exact time nailed down, but I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Um, It'll be great to talk to him. Just leave that as a little teaser for right now.
1: And and if you are in the Pill Discord, we will be fielding your questions that we can ask
0: said very special guest. That's right, that's right. So once we announce who the uh, the the guest is going to be, we're going to announce it in the King Pill Discord once we have a specific date. and if you ask if you want to want us to ask him some related questions, um, we'll say the subject is going to be should I should I say what the subject is? Do you think that gives away too much? I'll go for it. The subject is going to be what happened to NRx where did the uh, where did the the, the the whole NRx dynamic was kind of starting to build up some energy and momentum a couple years ago and then it's kind of seems like it's Sort of dispersed other places. So, we're gonna have a conversation with a with a very interesting guest. We're gonna to talk to him about that. So, if you want to get those questions answered, you can you can join the King Pill Discord and we will uh, we will field your questions there and ask him the questions. It would be on.
1: worthwhile. Everything we talked about today, it'd be worthwhile talking to said guest about about the whole endowment stuff and uh huh, yeah. I was, said guest I was... has a pretty big platform.
0: Uh huh. I was hoping if maybe we can uh, if we can get this this uh, the interview scheduled soon enough, then we could we might be able to touch on that, um, and I might just talk to him about it privately. Uh, Zach Putnam says sounds Dao-esque. Yeah, it was actually the uh, a Dao and uh, mold bugs patchwork uh, and the Liminal Order and Bertaria. Like these were kind of the ideas that sort of coalesced uh, in in uh, in my mind as I was starting to kind of think about this stuff. So,
1: except not illegal.
0: Yeah. Yes, right, right. There's there's some legality issues and so you know maybe maybe we have to like set up the structure of the of the 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 community one way for the time being and then and then adapt it as legalities change you know th- these are all different things we can talk about um, but we're at hour and forty five minutes so we're gonna go talk to you later guys.